Blog Talk Radio.
yeah, we gon' get paid. Talk to him, RJ. Nigga need to know I'm just trying to catch the wave on a speedboat hey. Nigga trying to find business on the interstate Fuck a renegade, I'ma make the pussy real estate Ooh. Get your mind right and get you qualified hey. I'm just living my life, I don't apologize oh. You know them I'm in your boys by the dollar sign Money modify every more that you out of life yeah. And we can go Melrose to Linden hey. Go tearing down Fifth hey. Ave Ubers and Lyft cab oh. Get back from mistresses Sagging on bitches This your girl was interested My words are frivolous Ain't got we trust all these Miss Arkira 
the Jacobs. We was talking that talk, y'all. We was talking that talk, fashion, mm-hmm. modeling, beauty. Um, so make sure that you guys tune into that. This has been, yes, T, a long week. <laughs> <laughs> I have, like, tons of things to do. You got tons of things to do, but we still manage to do what we, you know, we have to do just just in general with clients, the show. Like, no grass grows under our feet over here on this chat. Mm-mm, not at all. And even though we have so much going on, at least we have to come on here and give our audience a show. We can't bring our tiredness, our frustration. You know, when we turn on at 7 p.m., we turn on from head to toe. So we hope you guys are ready. Well, a great show. We have a returning guest tonight, Leash, Miss Mona. I always get it wrong. Altidort. I'm not sure if I pronounced her last name correctly, but that's nothing new here on Let's Chat. You know, we could jack a name up. <laughs> we sure can. But we don't call her, we don't use her last name anyway. We just call her Mona. <laughs> that's it. We and she knows. She knows. And we have some some new guests. Miss Arnetha, I actually met her over on Clubhouse, Leash. It was so exciting. I know she's excited to be on Let's Chat tonight, and we're excited to have her. And I'm glad she took up all our invitation to join us here on Let's Chat. So from the Clubhouse to Let's Chat, let's get it on. I said, look at things out there networking. Go, I could do a little something, something, just a little something, something. I'll be taking notes, please. I'll be taking notes. <laughs> I said, go ahead, see out there networking. Yes, honey. <laughs> I try, I try, girl. <laughs> yeah, we oh, also have so- Olivia Gaines. You know, we yes. got to make sure we shout out all our queens tonight. This has been a Queen's Weekly. It has, it has. I'm so excited. We, you know, we have a lot that we do here on Let's Chat. Uh, we appreciate you guys for always kicking in with us, always just following the things that we do. Thank you guys for streaming our shows. Uh, we appreciate that. We thank you for checking out our YouTube pages, our um, Spotify pages. We thank y'all and we see y'all. And we said thank you Absolutely. a million times. It would not be enough. Absolutely not. So get ready. You know, so much going on in the news as well, Lise. You know, I'm so glad we're on the the men. You know, eventually we'll be able to get out and mingle, not like we used to, but a new mingling. So that's, that's, in and of itself, is kind of exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to go back into our world. It's not going to be the same, and I don't think it will ever be the same, but you know, you, you kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. You know, and we said this um, when we had our show during the plant pandemic. What made it a pandemic was the fact that there was no, no active um, uh, vaccinations available and that if everybody got sick as they were getting sick, hospitals are not able to handle what was going on. Um, at the mm-hmm. magnitude that was going on, and that's what made it a pandemic. But had they had a vaccination, well, nothing would have been shut down. But they, if we go back to 1918, that's what they did in 1918. Um, until mm-hmm. they had a vaccination for the original uh, Spanish flu, um, mm-hmm. 
the the world was shut down. And they don't talk a lot about it. But yeah, we were shut down. And that was 1918. By 1920, the United States was flourishing. That was our best year. Um, just just as a country financially. So it's not that we're not going to come back from this. Um, but they mm-hmm. needed to get they needed to get some vaccinations popping. And right. you know, every vaccination comes with um ups and downs like like mm-hmm. any anything that we have um but i'm quite sure that they'll get us moving around uh i'm gonna say by july by 2022 yeah, that's what they were saying. yeah mm-hmm. by 2022 we're gonna be like coronavirus what who well what happened <laughs> you know but that's we're gonna look back and be like y'all this was a hard two years but Mm-hmm. Two years later, we made it through. Mhm. You know, it's it really, you know, it's so unfortunate that we lost so many family and friends and colleagues and neighbors, you know, mm-hmm. but we wish those families the best. We really do, because it's, it's been a rough year. It's been a, it's actually been one year. I can't believe it, Leash. But it's Friday night here on Let's Chat. You know, Leash always comes up with these topics, and tonight's topic <laughs> is TripAdvisor. Hmm. I can't even what imagine where you came up with that, Leash. TripAdvisor. I mean, we all use it when we go to travel, right? TripAdvisor. It helps you find deals, reviews, vacation rentals, hidden gems, just whenever you're traveling, and I always say here on Let's Chat, we're an experience. And honestly, that's how you create relationships. You really create memories and experiences with those people that you connect with. Um, Now, some are good and some are bad. But when they come here on Let's Chat, we're kind of like a trip advisor. You know, we are, we can connect people. We can light fires. uh, As I say, light the, the fire in the furnace or the pilot light, we can get fires lit and people motivated. We can inspire. We do all of those things here on this show. Absolutely. And I was telling, uh, you know, when I was doing my networking, you know, I was sharing with those that were in the room that so so many things have been birthed in the chat room that wasn't here when that particular guest came. You know, so many ideas and just just the energy to say, you can do this, you know, don't let us just be a dream, but a lot has been birthed in the chat room and they don't, those guests have taken, taken off with it. You know, that was part of their trip. They were meant to be there to pick up those gems and to take mm-hmm. with them. And we are so, we are so happy when we help each other. And if we don't know something, guarantee we'll find out and pass it on. But absolutely. Celebrating each each other's success and the failures because sometimes those failures need to be celebrated as well because that's a trip that you know you don't need to take. You know, you know you've made that failure. Now you know you built from it. And we were kind of touching on that last night as well. You know, those have to be celebrated as well because now you know what not to do. Absolutely, it's funny. I was talking to a client uh, <laughs> and. You know, their question was, do you have relationships like this with all your clients? Like, I've never had a, business, a relationship like this, but this is <laughs> you have to 
You have, you have to, God places you in people's lives for a reason. Uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, it's to be an alarm clock and wake that person up. Light the pilot light, get it popping, and go about your way. You know what I'm saying? Some of those relationships are right. meant to last longer. Um, but when you have a client, depending on what that vibe is with that client, you create mm-hmm. friendships from that. You know, but you right. have to be, you got to be a vibe. You know, sometimes I could be a whole vibe. I could be a great vibe, but I'm not so good sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I'm still mm-hmm. a vibe. So when I'm dealing with my clients, I'm creating an experience for them. First of all, just like when guests come on the show, they get comfortable. They get really comfortable. They kick back. They take their shoes off. And we get some good stuff when we when mm-hmm. we allow our clients to be comfortable. and. Right. You have to do that in any industry because people have to trust mm-hmm. you. You have their books in your hand, you have their careers, you have their brand, and they have to trust you. Um, and they have to trust the relationship that you have. Mhm. So true. Absolutely. And that's 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 just part part of life. You know, you have to have that trust in whatever venture that you're going into. And this show allows I'll, I'll guess because sometimes these people come on and they don't know what to expect when they come into an interview, especially if it's the first time they're being interviewed. You know, sometimes you get all stressed. Oh, I don't know what they're gonna say. I don't know what they're gonna ask me. But once you get in here, like Lisa said, you get comfortable. Then you realize this is this is fun. This is okay, and it's just us talking. Don't even think about the millions of people around the world. <laughs> <laughs> You know, don't even think about it. Just focus on us. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but you know what? That's really what it is. When you are, you have to help people be comfortable. You honestly do. Right. Because a lot of times they are experiencing things and doing things that they don't naturally have the skills for. And we talked about this mm-hmm. yesterday. When you don't naturally have the skills, you have to create those. Um, and right. that's very frustrating and scary. You know, when God tells you to move your feet, uh, there's fear in that process because we can't necessarily see the ground right away. And so you have to be able to have that relationship. People have to be comfortable because now they're moving their feet and you have their their path with you. So you got to hold their hand. You got to take them with you. Mm-hmm. And then, then, then take the, you with them. You know, that's, that's just part of a team. Uh, and when you get mm-hmm. the right people on your team, y'all vibe and mesh. And that's what it is. And well, no stopping them. No stopping them. And that lane is specifically your lane. Like we always say here, your lane is designed for you. Absolutely. You know, and, and we are a whole team. T and I are a team. And when it comes down to our clients, we treat them as a team as well. you got to have the right kind of people on your team. If you don't have people that are promoting thought, that are waking you up, that are lighting that fire, then you have the wrong team around you. That's right. And you will find out quick if that wrong team is around you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's open on up, T. We got our first fabulous guest up in here. All right. Hey, Mona. Can you hear us, Mona? You may be on mute. 
Oh, she may be having some technical difficulties, but she'll be back. She will be back. But yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, you you got to do that. So you do. I'm excited. We got we got great music coming. I'm I'm trying to get a very. I wasn't gonna do a show on my birthday, but mm-hmm. I might be able to get a, a very special guest. And so if I do, then we're gonna have a very special show on my birthday. It is gonna be a live. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> so fingers crossed. Y'all know Lisa's birthday is a year cele- uh, 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 annual universal celebration. <laughs> Y'all just get ready. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> the one birthday we had Keith Robinson on, and he, he came on two birthdays. You know, so I always try to make our birthdays, you know, spectacular. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if Mona's. Is through her technical difficulties. Hopefully she is, because we can't wait to catch up with what's been going on in her world, Mona's world, Stelly. <laughs> All right, let's see. Hello. Hey, Mona. Hi, how are you? How are you? How you doing? Oh, you guys, it's been a long time since I've been on here. How are you guys? (laughs) Yes, honey, you got to let us know what you've been cooking in your creative kitchen, auntie. Hello? Can you hear us? We can hear you. We can hear you. Hello? We can hear you. Hmm. Hello? We hear you. We hear Try it again, Mona. Hopefully she can hear us eventually. So she'll be back in. We're going to take a brief break. We got some more music. Uh, and the ladies of Let's Chat will be right back. All right.
when the sun shines. Running scared when the rain falls. In your station when the nigga balls. When you broke, nobody calls. Don't forget the ones who was there. Holding your head when it was bad. If it don't add up, fuck a nigga shit, I'd rather count it. Got a lot of hope, but I don't love him. Another trip, another show, shit, I don't love him. problem but uh 
for the past, like, you know, few years or so, like two, you know, two and a half years, um, a full story has been like a challenge for me. Um, mm-hmm. until, uh, so this collaboration, I don't know what this collaboration is different because I'm not writing the whole book by myself, you know, so I think, um, and then, and then I, I had anxiety with this, you know, writing this also, um, my, uh, co- collab partner, he's, uh, total opposite for me as far as like being a procrastinator and, you know, and, you know, I guess when he when he does have writer's block, it doesn't last long. Mine don't last long either, but I, I could be a little bit of um, procrastinator. He's total opposite, so he actually pushed and pushed, you know, to <laughs> to get this done, you know, because hey, it probably would have never got done, at least not anytime soon, have he not been, like, the way that he is. By the way, um, I don't know if I, I – I'm sorry, I didn't properly introduce him. Um, Arthur DeCorby. That's his, um, you know, his real, you know, name he goes by. He has uh, three sets of published books under that name, but he also pens under Katori, and which is the name that he, you know, he did the collab under. So, um, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but, yeah, I had to, I'm sorry, I forgot to properly introduce him. So I don't know if you guys are aware of him, if you're familiar with him. And his work. No problem. I just wrote his name down. I hope I did. Is it D E C O R Y? No, it's it's D E and it's like a apostrophe on top. K A R I. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Author Decorey. It well, it'll be like if you type it in on Facebook, it'll come up. Author King Decorey. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's actually, so Decor is actually like his real name. So he, mm-hmm. you know, pens under that. But Katori is his, you know, ultimate pen name. Mm-hmm. No yeah. problem. No problem. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you say, you know, because it has been a, in a minute since you visited us, but we always enjoy when you come. You know, you, right. you mentioned something that's serious in the literary world, and that's writer's block. You know, yes. a lot of, mm-hmm. for the layman that, that, hear that term, you know, okay, so what do you do to get past it? Sometimes it takes a while. I'm sorry, it this does. is Tony. Yeah, we forgot to say who's who because we sound so much alike. Right, but sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it takes a while for an author to get past that. Now, when it you does. when you was experiencing writer's block, how receptive are you? Like, say your partner, Arthur DeCourt, the yes. How receptive are you when someone pushes you? Do you receive that or do you push back? Well, when we were working on part one, I actually never expressed to him that that's what was going on. You know, mm-hmm. um, he knocks out his, you know, and in a collab is a bit of a challenge. I'm used to working at my own pace. So mm-hmm. when you're collaborating, it's different, especially if you have a partner like him who, you know, he's like fast, fast. You know, he could produce his chapters, you know, with a quickness. He was doing mm-hmm. two chapters in one day with no problem, and that was a big challenge for me, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, a whole 24 hours would go by, and I'm still working on my little two chapters. <laughs> and he's like, what's going on? I don't understand what's taking so long. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm like, and I, you know, for whatever reason, I just never expressed to him that, you know, like I'm, I'm having anxiety. I'm, you know, experiencing writer's block. I just would tell him, you know, and it was just so much pressure with, you know, other stuff, you know, going on with my life, you know, everything that, you know, that I had to do. Um, so mm-hmm. I never really expressed to him, like, look, I'm having a hard time. Um, right. I, I would just say, I'm getting it done, I'm getting it done. Maybe he mm-hmm. might have been a little bit more understanding have I been, you know, communicated better, you know. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I did an interview a couple nights ago, and I had, you know, finally admitted that, you know, that I experienced mm-hmm. writer's block. And then with this part two, so we decided to start. So this uh, – the story that like kind of wrong, it's, you know, it's a two-part. Um, the first one is available now on Amazon.com, just in case if you and um, Tony. Wait, I'm, I'm speaking to Leisha, right? No, you know, this is Tony. Oh, my God. You, you know, it's been a while. I used to be able to tell you guys the, the, the voices apart, but now it's been so long. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. We get it all the time, girl. Right, right. Okay, yeah, so part one is available now on Amazon. So it just it just mm-hmm. came out um February twenty fourth, so um what's the name of the title of it again? The right kinda wrong. Oh. The, the right kinda <laughs> wrong. Yes. So um we're start we're working on part two and so the way part one was so okay so let me just give you a brief description of the story since um Mm -hmm. you guys you know um basically it's a love story it's a story that you know that I came up with that it it was brewing and then one thing about my writer's block I have writer's block but I have stories like in my head like I have Mm -hmm. half stories I got about seven, eight covers with stories, all half-written stories. It's not like my creative juices are completely dead. Um, the stories mm-hmm. are coming to me. I just can't seem to execution the whole thing. Like, I have, a, I see authors, you know, knocking out a book in one month, and I'm like, wow, I wish I could do it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so. <laughs> So um, the right kind of wrong was one of the stories, the storyline, the plot, was the idea was brewing in my head for a while. So Arthur Zakori, also known as Katori, you know, he's an author that I actually, and I, I don't know if you guys are aware, I don't, it's been a few years since, you know, I've been here, but you know, I, I promote, I'm also a promoter now. So mm-hmm. I started promoting oh. about a, yeah, I started promoting about a year and a half ago, and that's how I actually um, really, like, met, you know, DeCorey was from me. Um, well, he reached out to me originally, you know, he came in my inbox and basically, you know, was sharing his link for his very first book, Gorillas in the Bay. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, said hello, and he, you know, put the link, and you know, it, he's he's a urban street lit writer, and although that I have read some urban street, you know, it's been a while since I did read one. I kind of like stirred away, like all the violence just got to me after a while. I didn't I didn't read an urban street lit in a while. So when he mm-hmm. put his link, you know, because he was so polite and stuff, I went on Amazon and I 
you know, uh, checked out the synopsis, and I actually ended up purchasing the book. And it, it took mm-hmm. me a while, but I did read the book. And I actually, I liked his writing, you know, more than anything. And then, you know, I, he caught my attention, but, you know, I, I'm not the type. I was, even as a reader, I never go in an author's uh, inbox and let them know how I feel about the book. I just, I just don't do that. So, and mm-hmm. months months would go by, and he reached out to me again, this time inquiring about me promoting for him. And right. so I start, I started promoting for him. And so, you know, we became, you know, he's very, he's a very inquisitive author, always asking questions, you know, how can he uh, accumulate new readers? You know, what could he do to get, you know, he's always asking me questions. So it brought us to the level where we were communicating a lot. And then so mm-hmm. I started telling, got, it got to the point where I felt comfortable to tell him about the story that's going on in my head, but more so I wanted his opinion. So basically the right kind of wrong is basically a story about an inmate. He's incarcerated and he comes across a book and he reads, uh, it's a female author's book, and he reads it and he's like intrigued by the by the author's words, you know, the book mm-hmm. so much that he actually starts crushing from the author. He on the author just from mm-hmm. like her words and stuff. And right. that's 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 basically the plot of the story. This enemy Quincy, you know, and then it's funny how when the story was planning in my head, I didn't have no name for the male character for the you know, I didn't have no name for mm-hmm. the inmate, anything. The Corey, when I pitched the story to him and he actually went and wrote the two chapters, like that same day really? I pitched it to him. Yeah, he went and he wrote two chapters, and he told me to check my email. I'll check the email, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, you know, and I really liked it. So, and that's how we got to the point. I said, you want to come out? You want to write this with me? You know? <laughs> mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it came off of there. He bought the storyline, like, he created the Quincy character and brought mm-hmm. it to a whole other level. So Quincy mm-hmm. is like... You know, Quincy is one of those men, he just, you know, became really determined to get this author's attention, despite the fact Mm -hmm. he's incarcerated and he's serving life. And, but Mm. he wasn't going to let that stop in his way, like, he, because he couldn't shake this woman. You know, Mm -hmm. it started out, he's... He was, like, intrigued by her words, and he went to the back of the book. And, and me as an author, I have put my catalog. I have my cat. Most authors' catalogs don't have their picture on them. Mine do. And um, and so I, I've had put my P.O. box in the back of my book before. So basically in the book, you know, we decided to, mm-hmm. you know, we're – her information is in the back of the book and that's how he had an address for her. And he decided, you know, that he's going to write her because he just couldn't shake the female light. You know, he was intrigued by her words. He couldn't stop thinking about her. Then, you know, he saw her picture. He was attracted, you know, it was a physical attraction, but it was more so a deeper connection, you know, from, you know, mm-hmm. her words. And so he writes her and, you Ooh. know, the first letter, she received it. She actually threw it away. Once she she actually loved the letter, but once she you know went and you know checked the public records and saw what he was you know incarcerated for, mm-hmm. you know he uh she kind of like got turned off, which is normal, you know, right. because right. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
you know, you see an inmate, you know, he's in jail for murder. At the time, she didn't know the full story. All she knew, all she saw, you know, because in public records, they're not going to give you, like, the whole, you know, a whole, a person's right. whole mm-hmm. scenario. You're not going to know. You're just going to know what they're incarcerated for, what they convicted for, you know, and right. that's where. And then, so this is, like, also a case of, you know, don't judge a book by its cover because Quincy is actually, he's not a, a he's not a, a uh, real, you know, like a, mm-hmm. a criminal. Murderer. You know, he based, mm-hmm. No, he. I mean, he's a murderer. But what happened? You know, I don't want to tell the whole story. The circumstances. But, you know, right. Anyway, yeah, but basically, you know, he was betrayed by his wife. One thing led to another. He was like defending himself, and he ended up, mm-hmm. you know, com- committing murder. Mm-hmm. Not he didn't kill his wife, but you know, he killed the person she was betraying him with, and you oh, know, wow. he they they yeah, they end up giving him life. You know, and so mm-hmm. Quincy is actually was an upstanding citizen, you know, a, just an all-around good man. He wasn't a criminal or a thug, you know. He was a hardworking mm-hmm. man, you know. He was in love with his wife, faithful, and his just in a just one moment, you know, his life changed. So here it is. He's turning. He's incarcerated behind the prison. I love this story because, you know, you're able to see the in and outs of, you know, the inmate, the daily, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know what an inmate has to go through. And the Corey, he really, like, you know, uh, brought that to life. You know, he really, like, you know, execution that, you know, well. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was very proud of that. And um, so Quincy just he's become this totally different man, the opposite of him, just because he has to survive. He had to do what he had to do to survive behind those walls. So I think, you know, this in uh, being intrigued by this woman was a feeling that maybe he, he just missed, you know, you know, he missed, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe he missed being in love, but for whatever reason, you know, this woman just caught his attention and he couldn't shake her. You know, mm-hmm. and then after a while, as the pursuit, and then the pursuit was serious. You know, I love the Quincy character. He was very sure of himself, very intelligent. You know, mm-hmm. and once he, once he really did shoot his shot to her, like you know, he the pursuit was like serious. The pursuit was like the most intriguing <laughs> part of the story because you you'll like fall in love with Quincy, like oh I want I want a Quincy, you know. <laughs> yeah, because to have a man go hard for you like that. You know, and then the 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 female character, her name's Sakina. Sakina, outside looking in, she appears to be this perfect woman, but she's actually a very complex character. You know, mm-hmm. she you know she you know ex, you know have have you know the long men you know in her life, you know, and she never really had a man to really go hard for her the way Quincy came at her. You know, mm-hmm. and after after a while, you just can't. And then she tried to ignore him. She threw the first letter away. You know what I'm saying? And she, after a mm-hmm. while, it's just hard. You can't ignore when some when a man coming at you like that, especially after a while. And then Quincy, what he, I think, you know, and then I, I think as me personally, it would have definitely caught my attention. He decided to, you know one of his letters basically explained to her, like, look, you know, I, I know that you're probably turned off by me, you know, but I want to explain to you that this, you know, convicted felon, this isn't me, this isn't who I really am. And he really put himself out there, 
And, like, you know, Pete put it all there. It was like a three-, four-page letter and basically explained the whole scenario to, you know, and it, it really caught it caught her attention, you know, mm-hmm. and then it caused her to do a research on him to find out who he really is. And so, yeah, it, it's a beautiful, you know, unique love story, and that I was mm-hmm. that's what I was aiming for, you know. And, th- mm-hmm. and thanks to DeCorey, you know, also <laughs> – he really like you know helped that happen you know bringing mm-hmm. that uniqueness to it because I'm always like you know striving for that so and then our <laughs> writing style you know you know kind of fit in a way he's he's an urban street author so to see him you know tone it down I mean he didn't he you know Quincy is basically incarcerated throughout the whole book so mm-hmm. he so DeCorey shows you the in and outs of Quincy, you know, daily, you know, life as an mm-hmm. inmate. But there's also, you know, some scenes in there that basically, you know, that shows you, you know, that, you know, this isn't him, but this is what he has to do too. So right. there's a little bit of hardcoreness. I want to say hardcore, but, you know, you know, so it's not all lovey-dovey mm-hmm. throughout the story. You know, it has that yeah. flavor to it, you know. It has that. Yeah, I'm it has. It has a story. Yeah, yeah, the 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 prison scenes give it that urban edge. This is why I call it an urban romance because mm-hmm. you know that because because Quincy really in reality he's not like he wasn't like an urban dude. He was really like a white collar, you know, like a square. You know, before mm-hmm. he found himself, you know, serving life behind prison board, and then he becomes this whole other, you know, he becomes this like he was the man in prison. You know what I'm saying? And you know, and mm-hmm. that's he had to become that in order to survive. Wow! So you just added a whole nother layer there when you said he was he he wasn't a like a, a thug or anything. But um, I'm intrigued by the story. Right, right. And, and how much went went back to it, you know. But I want to ask you, Mona. You know, before before you did this with the writer's block, you had said yeah. that novellas were easier for you to write. Mm-hmm. Can you can you share with us why you can have that that flow with a novella around a writer's block, but not necessarily a full story? You know, what 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 other different approaches that you see or you take when you're going to write a novella okay. as opposed to a full novel? Because what because when you're experiencing writer's block, you're you mm-hmm. basically like you just can't seem to write anything like at all, no matter how hard you try. And my my writer's blocks are actually a little bit different where I find myself like I'll go ahead if I'm working on a chapter I could start off, I could see, first of all, I can't write the scene if I can't see it. And so mm. when I see the scenes, I start writing, then I get to about five, six, seven lines, and boom, I freeze. I can't explain why I freeze, but I do. And mm. I just can't write anymore. And then I stop, go back, write a few more lines. So with a novella, you know, you, you, it's a, a novella is a short story, so I could mm-hmm. stop anytime you want. When you get to the point that you like, when you get to like ten chapters and you feel like mm-hmm. you can't develop the story anymore, with a novella you could just, you know, you use your author creativity and end it. At, readers hate novellas, really. 
because most mm-hmm. novellas are really they leave a lot of unanswered questions. And, right. Um, actually, I have my novellas actually haven't done so well. I'm getting back. <laughs> the readers they don't like it. They it's, it, and then I tried not to leave unanswered questions, but with a short story, it's hard because you could you could see the incompleteness in the story. So uh-huh, this is why uh-huh. most novellas is not. It's really hard to complete a novella and not leave any, you know, unanswered questions. Right. You know, so that's why the readers mm-hmm. don't like them. You know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I end up, but I, I stop novellas. You know, I just thought I'm like, I want, like, I want to put. I wanted to. I felt bad. I felt like I disappointed my readers because I wasn't able to produce anything in a long time. And then I was mm-hmm. uh, promoting. Uh, I had about three full novels that I I've actually promoted in the past two years, but then I just never, you know, I never released them because I could never finish filling them because my, you know, fully finished them because my writer's block was just just had gotten so bad. But I I never right. share, I don't really share like a lot of my private, you know, with the readers. Mm-hmm. So. I don't explain mm-hmm. to them this is what's happening. So I feel like the readers right. are uh, disappointed, you know, in me. Um, so, mm-hmm. which is why probably more so the the novellas weren't received that well, you know. Um, okay. so, but yeah, you know but something, Mona, the, mm-hmm. the readers don't necessarily have to know your personal life because your personal life is your personal life. You know, when right. I think – I think it took away the mystique of the author-reader relationship when so much is shared on social media. You know, when I, when I, because I've been a reader all my life, and there was always that mystique, that respect, and that unknown that I just loved about my favorite authors that I read. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I, I don't feel that that's a bad thing that you keep your life private because. That's your life. It's not like the readers are out there putting their private. Some do, some don't. But it's not necessarily to have that author-reader relationship. I'm, I may be old-fashioned, but that's right. how I see it. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've just, I've just seen some authors like when a book is supposed to come out and they end up not being able to release it, they're honest to the readers. They tell the, you know, like I, I've had a author that I promoted for in the day before her book was supposed to come out, her, you know, she had a death of her family and she, you know, told the readers, maybe something like that, you know, she, but she, right. you know, she felt the need to, you know, to right. reveal it. Right. And, and well, that think, was, yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that, that I, I could say. Right, right. Yeah, so, yeah. but me, like you know, expressing like, "Hey, I'm having writer's block. I'm going through like a downtime. It's just hard for me to express." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, and, and we always go through those reset periods in in our lives mm-hmm. where we have to reset. We got to reset our mindset. Um, our visions right. change. They expand. They grow. And, you know, that, that happens. And I think that we don't give ourselves grace enough. Right. You have to give right. yourself grace and you have to give yourself understanding when right. you, when you are going, um, especially when you are going in a specific direction and you have mm-hmm. a destiny and you have a path. 
Right. Now, mm-hmm. the platform that you have, it gives you a voice. It gives you a powerful voice. And a black Most woman definitely. that can write is a powerful woman. What does that right. power mean to you? The, uh, you know, I try, I try to you you know I I try to utilize you know my um, platform. I realize that it is a power to be able to, you know, you have that platform to uh, express yourself. You know, so I try to. I know I've I've said it recently that I've I've gotten to the point where I've become really discouraged as a author. Uh, not not from me writing, but because of the industry itself, all the drama, all the uh, the the backlash, all the ups and downs that I've been through. So I've actually kind of got to the point where I kind of taken the platform that I have for granted because I just feel real discouraged with everything that happens. I'm I'm kind of tired of the favoritism. You know, I feel like I had I've. You know, when I do release a book, though, um, not a novella, but a full story, I, you know, I, you know, put out like a full, like I work hard to put a full, you know, novel out. Another reason why I take my sweet time is because, you know, I want to, you know, release like, you know, a half book, you know, um, you know, other than if I label it a novella. So I, I feel discouraged when, you know, I see, you know, readers, you know, play favoritism, you know, so I, I've kind of like, you know, not been really utilizing, you know, my platform as well, but I do appreciate that I do have that option to come trying to get back in that groove, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I have become discouraged, you know, I got to the point like, if they read it, they read it, if they don't, they don't, I don't even want to do interviews anymore, like, I just don't want to do anything. You know, I feel like, you know, because yeah. I don't have the support uh, that I used to. Uh-huh. So, but I do, I do appreciate it. And I'm starting to get that, you know, doing these interviews again kind of brought that, you know, Tyra, you know, you guys, you, I'm coming to you guys doing interviews with you guys always been fun for me. You're one of the few podcasts that I've actually come to, you know, to, you know, to get that exposure and, you know, share my work and stuff. But I really didn't want to start doing interviews again because I, I just, like, you know, I'm just, like, not there anymore as far as, like, you know, I don't really want to, like, you know, uh, you know, really put myself out there anymore. Like, I, I was just really nonchalant. Uh, Arthur DeCorey, he's completely different. He has that passion that I had when I was, you know, when I first came out. Uh-huh. You know, and he uses his platform to the fullest, you know, and he has that passion. So I'm trying to get that passion back, you know, and then um, another, but it is different for a female author in the industry than it is for a, a male. You know, I, I feel like, you know, they, they male authors struggle a little bit more. I feel like we uh, female authors do have a more powerful um, platform. Uh, a lot of the female readers you know, tend to give us more of a chance than they do a male. So, you know, you have somebody like the Corey, that's, I think that's why he pushes harder, you know, or, well, he's just naturally, you know, just passionate, you know, about being a writer. But, um, 
but it's good for him to push the way he push. I see a lot of authors, they don't put male authors, they don't push as hard. You know, and then you got a lot of female authors who don't take advantage of, you know, the platform that they have. They don't realize that, you know, the men are struggling for you. So I, I kind of like come to take it for granted myself only because, you know, I just feel discouraged. So I'm trying to, you know, get out of that, you know, mm-hmm. funk. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Well, you are did always welcome to come here on next chat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did I answer the question correctly? Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, what is next? What What do you have next going on? Um, now that you guys got this book going, you got your mojo back, tell us what's going on next for you. Well, I'm working on this part two with um, Arthur Katori, and I have, um, so you guys remember my series, My Brother's Wife, right? Mm-hmm. You remember My Brother's Wife? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, yes, so My Brother's Wife, you... <laughs> So, you know, my brother's wife, you know, the completed, you know, I I, I did complete the series, you know, part mm-hmm. one, two, three. But then, you know, I had, you know, did like a spinoff where one of the characters, Desmond, and a man's heart. And then I had came back in 2018. And that 2018 was like my last full novel that I did. And that was after the honeymoon. And that was with the whole characters from my brother's life. So I had bought, I had a release after the honeymoon with Desmond and the whole crew, and I and and that's what I'm talking about. I feel like I disappointed the readers because they've been waiting for part two of after the honeymoon since 2018. Like I'm always ashamed to say that out loud. It's so bad because we're in 2021. <laughs> we're in 2021. So when I say it out loud, that sounds so bad. I'm so sorry. To the readers who are listening, I really apologize. I never really said it out loud, so when you, you know, you, you see the timeline. So after the honeymoon two, I actually had the cover for that. I wrote the synopsis. How how you do a synopsis and you can't finish the full story? <laughs> and you know most it most happens. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I used to struggle with synopsis. Now I'm like a beast with them. I I I offer <laughs> service to help with synopsis. That's how good I've gotten with it. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm good with synopsis, but I can't, you know, produce a full story. So I actually have the synopsis for after the honeymoon too. So, but I, I'm trying to get that done. That I'm actually like, you know, um. I you know just about like ha- a little bit over halfway through that story, and then my writer's box clicked in, and I just I got to chapter eighteen, and I just couldn't produce no more. You know, so and that's been like going on for a while. So, I'm, but I'm trying to work on that. Then I had, and then all these stories just keep popping in my head. So. Um, this year, I'm hoping I can get uh, finally finished after the honeymoon too. I have another story, "Thou Shall Not Cover Thy Neighbor's Son." That story, <laughs> I, oh, I literally that way. <laughs> that title alone. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, "Thou Shall Not Cover Thy Neighbor's Son" is a story that just came to me, and and I actually did good with that story. I wrote that in like two months, but I get to the end. And and then the the last five chapters had accidentally got deleted and that discouraged me. You know, so I'm actually trying to 
finish those five chapters. But yeah, I've had the cover for that. I've I've promoted it for a while. I got the synopsis and everything, but that shall not cover that maybe sign. I really want to finish that because I actually the story like I love the story, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, and you guys might find it interesting. So hopefully, when I finish it, you know, I'll I'll tag Lisa in it. I'll tag you guys in it. Um, so I'm trying. I'm trying to wrap that up, and then I have another story, uh, The Love You Save. That story, I've been trying to release that since last year, and it's supposed to be a Christmas release. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily a Christmas-based story, but, you know, know, I, I, I kept, like, you know, promoting it as a Christmas release because, you know, the two characters the love interest they actually meet they have like a one night stand on Christmas night and so um (laughs) then yeah (laughs) they they have a one night stand on Christmas night and then they go into like you know three years later so but it's not necessarily you know a a typical it's not a a, you know a a holy merry merry Christmas story you know you know my stories like there's gonna be drama (laughs) it's unforbidden love you know, and <laughs> so yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not a Christmas like you know, Merry Christmas type of story. I just, I was just mm-hmm. like promoting it as a Christmas release for the simple fact that they met on Christmas night and had a, a one night stand, and then you go into three mm-hmm. years later, and she, you know, she she Something doesn't a Merry remember. Christmas. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> and then the, you know, so, well, and he's, that that story, the male character, he's African, he's Nigerian, and he's actually one of my favorite characters that I've created. So I'm, I, I'm, I want, I'm, I'm, I'm going to release that book this year. I, I make a promise <laughs> to myself. I've been trying to release it for the past two Christmases, to tell you the truth. You know, now I, I'm going to put you on the spot, uh, Mona. This is Tony. Mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. you to level what what makes him one of your favorite characters. What is it about him that is your favorite? I like I like, like choosing your uh, one of your favorite child. <laughs> well, you know, I I like a lot of my male um, characters that I create are actually you know I I like a strong um, I I like the Quincy character and the collab. Um, because he's very sure of himself. I like a man who's sure of himself, has a bit of a arrogance, but in a good way. So my character in the Love You Save, um, his his name is uh, he got I gave him a real African name that I can't even pronounce. I, I found it on Google. But how about I give the character name that I can't pronounce it, so I just call him Tibby. <laughs> so I. <laughs> And but I like Timmy because you know he uh you know he was African and he was actually it was his birthday party you know he was celebrating his 25th birthday and so the uh the female character um uh Trina I believe her name was um she happened to be uh, at a party for you know she owns her own business and she was giving a Christmas party and um next door in a banquet hall and she ended up her and her friend and her cousin ended up going into Timmy's birthday party 
and boom, you know, she was just intrigued by him. He was just, you know, sexy. He just, the, the way, you know, he was just like, you know, because she was already upset. She was involved in a forbidden type of relationship where she was sleeping with a man who has a girlfriend. So, but she was trying to break it off with him. So she was upset that night. So when you're upset over, you know, you when you're having issues with, for, you know, affairs of the heart, sometimes it causes you to make a impulsive decision to have a nightstand with a stranger. I feel like a lot of women could relate to that scenario. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. actually what happened with her. She meets Timmy, and he's sexy, and he's, you know, he's African, he was strong, he was, you know, and, um, he was everything, you know, she actually liked in a man and total opposite of, you know, what she had in her life. But, you know, she didn't know him, you know, and mm-hmm. she and then she was like, a, her character is kind of like a lace, uh, a straight lace kind of woman. Like, she don't do night or night stand. But she was drinking that night. She was upset over the person, the, you know, the, her true interest in her life. And she was just, you know, so Timmy. So yeah, he was one of my favorite characters because he was, you know, like, you know, very sure of himself. When they run into each other three years later, she don't recognize him and he doesn't, but he remembers her and it takes mm-hmm. her a while, but she starts to remember. And he was determined, like, and, but she, he doesn't know that she don't remember, but, and then she did remember, you know, but she, I think she was like, you know, it was more so like she remembers, but then she's not sure, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was going to make sure that, you know, she remembers him, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I like a male, I <laughs> So that's the type of male that I like, so that's why he's one of my favorite. I like Quincy. I wish I had, you know, a man like that to, you know, to to come after me and no holds barred, nothing is stopping him. You know, I, that's, that's the type of guy that I'm attracted to, somebody who's, you know, a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, dominating, you know, very, you know, mm-hmm. with a, you know, confident aura. So that's what I'm attracted right. to. So. He knows what he wants and goes after it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, and I, you know, I, um, I, I've been like, you know, living vicariously through my character in the collab, and you know, living through Sakina, you know. So, mm-hmm. and you know what, what, and um, so the the thing about the right kind of wrong is, you know, we, there's a lot of realism into it. You know, Jacory, he put, you know, um, you know, the 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 prison scenes. I'm, I'm on almost sure that they're actually they're actual scenes that some inmates actually do go through. You know, yeah, I, I was know. wondering about that. I was wondering about the authenticity of those because it sounds like it's very intense. Right. <laughs> um there's there's quite a few um there's quite a few are authenticity in the right kind of wrong. Um I'm not gonna speak for him. He's not here to speak for himself so I'm going to speak for myself. There is a, you know, a, a good percentage of me in Sakina. You know, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know um, as far as for him, I'm, I'm going to assume that some of the uh, prison scenes are actual scenes that um, mm-hmm. that do occur, you know, mm-hmm. in, the, mm-hmm. in the prison system that inmates actually do go through. 
you know, and right. um, so then that's why he was able to execution it so well, you know. And mm-hmm. once again, you know, I wish he, you know, he was here too, you know. <laughs> but you know, I so, get his um, his take on it. But you know, this Lisa and I, we 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 book bougie. We used to hide behind the curtain with it, but now we embrace it, you know, and we talk about it. And that bouginess stems also from book covers, you know, that that uh-huh. key for for us. And this book cover, the right kind of wrong. I mean, uh-huh. is this a is this your work? Because that's just I mean, the colors, the image, you know, the the black and white with the color, you know, that that's that sexiness that we look for, at least Lisa and I right. and, and you know, the books that we choose. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you know, like my past covers, I love like you know sexiness on my covers. That, but I can't even take the credit for that. Uh, mm-hmm. The graphic artist, he actually, I just based basically, I told, I didn't even like give him a description of what I wanted. I just said, you know, just we we it. I gave him a brief description of what the story was about, you know, right. and he. You know, and, and then I and what I did the female character on there, she's actually a young lady, you know, she's you know, she's twenty two, she's an upcoming model, but she's actually uh, somebody that I actually know. She's uh the daughter of uh of um a person that I wouldn't necessarily call friends, but me and her, you know, we known each other throughout the years, you know, from living close to each other. You know, she's somebody mm-hmm. that, you know, we spoke here and there, but I've, you know, witnessed her daughter grow up and so she's, you know, turned out to be a beautiful young lady. She models now and stuff. And I just want, you know, fresh faces on my covers. You know, I'm tired of, you know, right. seeing the same faces over and over again that often. Over and over. You know, recycling. recycling. <laughs> so so I, I said that I want to, you know, I always try to be different, you know. So I, I want to start using, like, you know, people, like, you know, that nobody in the industry have ever seen. So that young lady, she's actually uh, a model, but somebody that I witnessed, I've watched her grow up, you know. And her name is Janiya. Shout out to Janiya. She's beautiful. I, I, I want to I own her image, you know. I actually, I paid her to be on the cover. Wow. So she. I want her to be on part two, but, you know, uh, part one, I, I just told the graphic artist, I gave him a brief description of the story, and I said, do what you do, and he came up with mm-hmm. that. The male mm-hmm. model is somebody that I don't know who that is. That's, that's a male uh, image that he, you know, he, you know, put on there. You know, a lot of graphic artists, they have images that they can find, you know, through, like, mm-hmm. different sites and stuff, so I have no idea right. what that is. Just from your just from your description of Quincy, that kinda that kinda takes that persona. Just from hearing you since you've been on, just talking about the characters and the way you talk about Quincy and the, his his journey from what you were able to share, I can kinda see that being him. I'm not sure. Can you see it, Lee? Yeah, yeah no. Uh-huh. No, it's funny it's <laughs> funny, um, the char- the 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 Corey said that, you know, the 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 um the cat the character like the the image on the cover you know resembles the 
the character to a T. And really? that's actually not my work. I didn't even choose that model. Like the graphic artist, he did. He could. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like looking at it and stuff. Yeah. I said, oh, man. Yeah, he did an excellent job. But, you know, um, part two, you know, and then I, I didn't even like, you know, Include the Corey in the um, the decision making, getting the coverage done. So we agreed in part two that you know he's gonna get more creative control. So I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. what he plans, to, you know. And then we're using a, a um, me and the original uh, the first graphic artist kind of had a, a little falling out. So um, I'm using a new graphic artist for part two, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, I told the Corbyn, go ahead, you you know, you tell him what you want. And but I did tell him I did want to use the same female model, you know, the young right. lady for part two. But you know, but uh he already me and him already discussed, you know, the description of what he would like for part mm-hmm. two, which I, you know, agree. You know, part two you know, basically, you know, um, I really don't want to tell story. I want you guys to read it, but, you know, like, you know, no, don't give out too much. To, I don't want yeah, yeah. to give out too much information. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, I don't want to give out too much, but in part two, you know, it's a lot of romance, you know, in part two, you know, it, mm-hmm. it goes to a whole nother level. So the Corey wants okay. that reflected in uh-huh. on, on the cover for part two. Absolutely. Right. Well, we are so proud of you. We are excited for you. Uh, you know, that we like to do something fun with our guests. So t- mm-hmm. Tony is going to give you a fun question. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Mona, you know, we always enjoy when you visit at the door. Don't stay away so long next time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. about 
I thought there was like eight different color roses and they each symbolize, they they have a meaning, you know, but you want to know right. what's funny about, but let me say real quick, you want to know what's funny about the Rikonaron, uh, Decori, so Quincy, you know, sent over, over 20 dozen of roses to Sakina. Yeah, I, I, oh. I want that to be a surprise. And in the, <laughs> the so, so he he breaks down the meaning of each of the roses. And I'm like, I didn't even know there was that many roses. <laughs> wow. It's, Talk about it's research. 20, I mean, it's not 20 different roses. He sent 20 dozen of roses, but it was actually, I believe, 11 color roses. And I thought mm-hmm. only eight existed. I'm like, where you find those other colors from? I didn't even know they existed. <laughs> and he was like... Like he you can't learn. Yeah, he he did his research, and then he break when you read that that chapter. Like he breaks down the meaning of each of the roses, and I had did that same scene for Malachi in a romantic getaway, um, and but I had only did like I think like eight. It was like eight roses because that's that's all I found on Google. But he actually mm-hmm. had found the Corby had found like eleven. You know, and then he had, but he broke the meanings down like to a T. I was like, oh my god! So wow. I, I love, I love white roses. I remember, I can't remember what I had put down in my book, but I know in the right kind of wrong, he, uh, white symbolizes um purity. Um, mm-hmm. uh, usually it's supposed to uh, um, symbolizes uh innocence. But it 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 it's an angelic color, you know, like you know, like my love for you is pure, you know, like mm. it, it, mm-hmm. yeah. So so white, you know, as far as like in love term, it 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 symbolizes the pur- the purity of the feelings that the person feels for you. Mm, I love it. And, yeah. So. <laughs> nice. And you can't fault a man that does his research on roses. You want to talk about right. romance? Romance needs. <laughs> right, right. I'm not right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we so appreciate you coming to kick it with us in the chat room. You know this is always your home, and you are welcome back anytime. Thank you so much. So um, can I just, like, you know, plug, like, where they could find the um, – is available on amazon.com um it's free with kindle you we waiting for the paperback to be available but right now it's available on kindle um and uh also um the cory author katori he has his books are available all um amazon.com you know he has three he has two books under the name katori plus the collab um, and you can find that on Amazon.com. Then under the Corby, he has three sets of completed series that you know you could all mm-hmm. find that on Amazon.com. And, you know, and he's also available on Facebook. He has a reading group called Katori's Pen is Lethal, and mm. he's available under uh, Author King Decori and Author Katori are the two pages you can find him on. Also, so he's a he's mm-hmm. a great uh, author. You guys should really check him out. Um, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I don't know if you guys, you know, read Urban Lit, but, you know, he, he has, you know, romance, you know, in his books too. Not, no, he's more mm-hmm. Urban Street, but, you know, you'll find a little, you know, 
and and he mm-hmm. could really like switch it up so you give him a shot. Awesome. And shout out to social media as well, right quick before you go. On um, my social media. Mhm. Well, okay. Well, you know, I have my main page, Mona Altador, and then you know, since I started promoting, I created the other page, Mo- Mona Promotes. And then I have on the Talk of the Heart book club, I have the Talk of the Heart book club promotional page. Then I have the Mona Chill Zone reading group. Then I have uh, the Mo Love Pro- uh, GA promotes on, no, I think it's Mo Love promotes on Instagram and then at Mona Presents on Twitter. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you once again, Mona, for joining us. And like Lisa said, you are always welcome back here anytime. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And you guys, you know, I'll be back when part two is available. And then when I drop, I want to come back when I finally do release after the honeymoon too. And that shall not cover that when it's available. I'll I'll tag you in it. I'm gonna hold you to it. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> So Thanks again for joining us. Once it's available. Thank you. Oh, You're welcome. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. It's always fun to catch up with Talish. Absolutely, absolutely. And we have our next fabulous guest coming to check in with us in the chat room on today. Welcome, mm-hmm. welcome, welcome. Hi, Miss Tony. Is this for Anita? Hi, Anita. How are you? Hi, ladies. Well, I have to tell you, like, I was, I just traveled from Eastern Senate time to see my brother in Central, and I'm sitting there going, oh, my interview, I'll be talking with them. I was getting all excited, and then it dawned on me, oh, my God, it's now, because we're our different. <laughs> and so I, when I logged on, I was so glad you ladies were still on, you and Lisa both. I was so glad. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't. I, I was going to be angry with myself. I've been looking forward to it all day long, and I went, Wait a minute. <laughs> We're happy you can join us. And it's nice to see you. I was, Alicia, she, no, she gave me some kudos because I'm usually the one in the background. She's like, look at Tony networking. I'm like, yes, girl, I met her in the clubhouse, and she is visiting us tonight. <laughs> oh, yes. It was no, that's not my skin. <laughs> Thank you, ladies, both for having me. And once again, I'm so happy I realized in time um, tonight. But, um, well, my name is Anita Jones. I am a retired middle and high school principal. Um, I taught school for many years, and I retired after 31 years. And that was a very interesting journey, and I um, I love teaching. That was a, an amazing job. Um, I actually became the first and only black female to ever be named a principal in the district in which I worked. Um, And that, that is not, um, those positions weren't normally reserved for us uh, people of color Mm -hmm. and particularly not the women. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, I did that and that was an interesting journey. And when I've always enjoyed writing. uh, And so my first book is, Expected to be released um, within a couple of weeks. I already have done a trailer, and um, I have the second proof, and I think we're almost there. It'll be available on Amazon. The name of my book 
is From Poverty to Principal, A Guide to Promote Equity and Student Advocacy. Uh And basically, um, you know, to kind of give you a very brief summary, um, unfortunately, I was a kid of poverty, and my mom didn't have an education enough to promote me or to um, direct me. And so I had to figure Uh it out by myself with a few mentors, and I went Uh off to the the Florida A&M University, go Rattlers. (laughs) Shout out to my Rattlers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um, and and so I've always had such a love for writing, and since I've retired, I've taken the time to do what I love, Miss Tony and Lisa. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a little bit mm-hmm. about me. Do you want me to share more? You have any questions about that? I don't want to go too far into that unless you need me to share more about it. This is the thing. That's how we get the questions that we ask our guests. We we want to mm-hmm. be able. To- them and understand them um, how they moved and why they moved and a lot of times when you don't have that word of mouth like that your why is what becomes your word of mouth and that draws people to you okay okay absolutely and sometimes you just need that platform because that platform may not be readily available you know normally well, I am embracing the platform because I, I just share uh, um, some more here. So as um, in the county where I worked, um, and I'm sure, you know, there are many counties, you know, around our nation, I was mm-hmm. disheartened to see that um, so many kids of color, our black and brown kids, were not being challenged to their fullest potential. And mm-hmm. many of those kids were not placed in the accelerated courses And when I started to challenge those kids, you know, I would pull their data myself and say, you know what, I've looked at your your test scores and I've pulled, you know, your reports from your teachers. You are capable of being in a, you know, more advanced class. And some of the kids, unfortunately, were resistant because they're not accustomed to being out of their element, which is to be in the basic courses. But I would push them. And so I share in my book, I go behind the scenes, excuse me, I share, you know, with parents, students educators, and anyone who wants to know some behind-the-scenes information that will help their Mm -hmm. kids avoid some common pitfalls, whether it be in the curriculum aspect of it, the discipline, um, you know, what what are the advantages of mentors and being involved in extracurricular activities. And so as a result, my uh, stint, my time as a principal at the middle and the high school um, I did enroll quite a few more kids into accelerated courses that, that had never even thought about it, um, nor had their parents. And um, so I'm, I'm very pleased to see that those kids took on the challenge. And some of them struggled, and, but there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with a productive struggle. We push them to have right. a productive struggle. So my book will go behind the scenes and let if any questions I will ask and answer, I mean, I will answer any questions that, parents, educators, anyone has for me, how can my child better succeed in the secondary world? I do have some experience with the elementary through some various works that I was a principal at the secondary level. So that's what my goal is with the book, to share my story, what propelled me to, you know, promote equity and advocacy and how I got to where I am. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I want to say, uh, 
Miss Anita. This is Tony. We're going to try to remember to say who we are because we've been told we sound so much alike. You know, but I had, <laughs> <You> firsthand, ex- <laughs> I had firsthand experience with one of my sons, my middle guy, um, Kyle, like I think it was like second or third grade. And you talk about productive struggles and common pitfalls as far as discipline, you know, and they need to be challenged. Sometimes a child can be a little bit more advanced and it may not necessarily be known to those around them that should know. And they tend to talk in class. They finish their work quickly. You know, they they try to entertain themselves in other ways, whereas they only need that little bit more extra work just to keep them engaged. Do you come and it's usually those that look like us, you know, and unfortunately – you know, they see if it's a discipline problem, oh, he's disruptive or she's disruptive, they just need attention, When whereas they only just need a little bit more work just to keep them engaged. Do oh you come across goodness, that, and how do you feel about oh, that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. There's a chapter in my book where I talk just about the things that you just said, and I encourage mm-hmm. and I promote everyone to take a look at these kids and see you know, why they're having some discipline issues. Is it because they aren't being challenged to their fullest potential, which oftentimes mm-hmm. that's it. They're bored. They're sitting there like you were just saying, Ms. Right. Tony. They finish their work in like 10 minutes, and they still have 50 minutes more of the class to go. Exactly. And so those kids, mm-hmm, that is a huge part of the black and brown, um, I would say, black and brown curriculum issues that I've seen, these kids really are prepared to be elevated, but they're not, Mm -hmm. they're overlooked. They're overlooked. And so what I would do, uh, Ms. Tony and Lisa, I actually started to pull the data of my own kids. I would go to my job on Saturdays because Mm -hmm. there aren't too many people. There weren't very many at all at the school where I worked, um, people of color. And so I would go, I mean, as far as the educators, um, there were mm-hmm. a few educators of color, um, you know, maybe like four, and I had like 85 teachers under my direction. And um, I would pull their test data myself and say, this child should be in these courses, and then I would make it happen. And I had to call the parents, but that, that was a huge issue with kids getting into trouble, not being challenged. You hit the mm-hmm. nail on the head with that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and so, mm-hmm. and and another another uh, another thing, um, a lot of people aren't aware of, and I did a full training on this after I did some research, and it's called the invisible, invisible student. Have you all heard of that, an invisible student before? Uh uh-uh. uh what's that? Mm. See, I wish no one had ever heard of an invisible student because none of our kids should be invisible, but an invisible student, um, after doing all the research and and gathering more information. Those kids who hover at like a 2.0 to a 2.9, they don't get into trouble. No, they don't get recognized or um, no accolades are bestowed upon them. They walk around mm. school. There's no one hardly, hardly notices them because they're not failing, but they're not excelling. They're not in trouble, but they're not shining. And so I made a deliberate effort with my students who were quote unquote, the invisible ones to make a special group for those kids. They normally find themselves in the basic courses. And mm-hmm. so that to me was heartbreaking. So I would also greet them at the door, all my kids, but the ones who were quote unquote labeled as the invisible ones, I would make mm-hmm. time, extra time 
to engage them in conversation. That is like heartbreaking, invisible kids, because they just walk around and no one sees them. That's the saddest thing. Mm. <laughs> but you got that. I don't mean to dominate, Lee. You know when I'm passionate about something. <laughs> but you know something, Amita, I've actually, with my same child that needed, you know, that extra work, he, he, he is a student athlete, so he's always been, you know, He's always been bigger than he was in other classes, so he's always been involved in sports. But he's also he had also taken a shine to those kids that were not in his position. So he would bring along, oh, awesome. and I didn't have I didn't have that label at the time, the invisible student, where mm-hmm. he would bring them along and put him and put that person in his world. And and as a result of that, you know, those children that he brought along would actually come up to my me and my husband and thank us. For, wow. for putting in, instilling in, 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 my, in our son something to do that because at an early age, like second and third grade, what student does that? You know, so that he would bring awesome. him along and, and make him part of the, the in crowd or make him part of the activities that were going on. But at that time, I didn't have that term, invisible student. But just listening to you describe it, that's exactly what came to mind as I was listening. That's right. That's exactly what they were, and I applaud your son for doing My husband, you know, who was an athlete in high school and college and a little bit of pro football, that's what he did. He's a big old guy, but he wouldn't allow anyone to pick on those kids who weren't getting right. the same amount of attention. He would support them and, and he protect was. them like your son did. And so I applaud your son. That is huge, and I, you know, just remind, let him know the term that's used for those kids that he helped. You know, mm-hmm. so they're no longer mm-hmm. invisible because your son helped them. Wow. And for that child to go and tell his their mom about him and their mom to approach me and my husband, that just, you know, it just warmed our hearts that he even thought to do something like that. It's amazing. And that's one of the things in my, at the back of my book, um, this Tony and Lisa, in the back of my book, I have something called points, P-O-I-N-T-S, points to ponder. And I asked, like this, what you just said, you know, this is something that your son did. I asked parents in the back of my book, have you taken your child to visit a college? Have you done certain things? And can you take someone else who may not have that opportunity, someone like myself growing up who had no exposure to, I didn't even know what college was until I was like in 10th or 11th grade. Like I had no idea. I didn't know what it was. And so mm-hmm. I encouraged parents and others to say, you know what, reach back. Bring one with like your son and what the parents are saying to you guys. Just think about the impact those kids are having. You know, we all we have our education and our kids have their foundation, but there are so many kids who have no clue. It it's amazing, like or unbelievable, I should say. So, mm-hmm. once thank your son so much. I appreciate him doing that. I know you guys are so happy that he did it as well. So, yeah, those are things that I talk about in my book, and I just want to. You know, I love helping all students, but I have a particular a particular interest in our black and brown because they're marginalized and they're underrepresented. And um, unfortunately, most of our, I shouldn't say most, a lot of our black and brown kids come from the lower socioeconomic status as myself. My mother made minimum wage when I was a kid, and that was like $2.32 or something. And it was a big struggle. And uh, so I started working, actually. I started. I got a worker's permit 
when I was 13 years old. I'm like, I need to buy myself some clothes. I just sat around thinking, like, how can I do better? So I figured out a way to get a worker's permit, and I've been working from 13 until now, <laughs> till I retired uh-huh. <laughs> two years ago. <laughs> uh-huh. But, you know, there's so much to be done. Alicia actually does a, a, a an event that she helps out, you know, grade school. What? Like, would you, yes. what would you call it, Leash? Grace, dude? Well, we what do would you call that? Vision and Books. Well, I started calling it the, um, oh, the um, Supply Closet. That's going to be the name of it. It's going to be a nonprofit. But I wanted to, when I did my event, Vision and Books, that was my way of being able to show all shades of Leisha. And oh, wow. I'm, I'm a giver. I love to give back. I'm a reader. I love to read books. Um, I was selling paparazzi. I was getting ready to write books of my own. Um, and I, I really believe in creating your own lane. So I created Vision and Books to create my own lane. And in that process, I said, okay, the giving back, my very first one we gave to a nonprofit out of Macon, Georgia. Um, uh-huh. And then I was just like, I wanted to do stuff, you know, for myself. And I said, well, how can I give back? I really wanted to be able to help families, help the kids. I love kids. And I Mm -hmm, said, well, mm -hmm. I didn't want to do a backpack drive because they do those every year. And that little list that they get from the teachers in September, a lot of parents don't know that that's a re-up offer. Like, y'all got to do that quarterly. Every semester, they need those things continuously, but that's really a stressful time for parents, especially if they have more than one child. You need to color code this, do this, do that. This one needs this, Mm -hmm. this one needs that. It's a lot for a parent because you really Mm -hmm. want to, you don't want to ever be the one uh, or the reason why your child does not get the education that they need ever. Um, And so we become, we become crazy. And so I decided Mm -hmm. to sponsor a classroom. So I connected with somebody that connected me with some teachers. I picked a a second grade teacher uh, and we adopted her class. Um, And from there, I asked for her wish list. You know, what I asked for her wish list and I asked her, what do you need to sustain your class? That is awesome. Uh, And she made Mm -hmm. a list. And I had authors, they they came out in woodworks. giving books to their classroom library, like in the boxes and boxes of books. Wow. Um, that is amazing. Copy paper. Copy being donated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Copy paper, you know, copy paper is a, is, is a thing for teachers. That's like, that's like a real thing. Teachers like, no, I need this. Mm-hmm. So she had mm-hmm. paper, copy papers. They had pencils, crayons, and uh, glue sticks, things that will last them, line paper, things that will last them throughout the school year. And But that's uh-huh. what I wanted because I figured if you help the teacher, you help the You're student, helping the kids. It's going to be little to no list um, because they're going to have right. these things um, that they need to sustain the classroom because when we were going to school, we didn't have to take – uh, hand sanitizer, paper towels, toilet paper. We didn't have to take those things to school. Our biggest mm-hmm. thing was our folders and our new little lunchbox. You know, so mm-hmm. <laughs> teachers are, are, are going mm-hmm. into their pockets um, to take care of their classrooms a lot of times. And so I'm like, okay. And 
right that was uh last year and i did Mm -hmm. it right before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit so she didn't get a full year of because my goal was to adopt that Mm -hmm. class for a whole year um have authors Mm -hmm. come in and do story times with the kids um help in the classroom, like when, you know, they need Mm -hmm. classroom helpers and stuff like that, just anything to help that teacher do her job to the best of her ability. Um, Uh And so, yeah, so Mm -hmm. my vision is actually to do three classrooms. I want to do uh, elementary, a middle school, and a high school, only because those transition periods, those, those transition grades, that's stressful time for kids. Just, just in general. Um, when you get into mm-hmm. middle school, you need a little, you need different things. Uh, you go to eighth grade to ninth grade, that's a whole nother different ball game, you know. And, and all teachers need that type of assistance. And so, that is the ultimate end game goal uh, to be able to really have a nonprofit cost the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the supply closet um, that teachers can go to um, and and help mm-hmm. with their supplies for their classroom. But I you know what I love awesome. about Elise? And mm-hmm. Elise, I, I love that because not every student in that provides all the supplies that they may necessarily need. You know, and, and by Alicia doing this drive, no one is left out. You know, no one has to feel, you know, inferior or superior that they can't provide their supplies because that affects a child's learning you know so it's it's just a good Absolutely. thing you know it was so good to see the 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 response Lisa. yeah you got such a great response for everybody that just shipped everything and it was great to see the teachers and the kids just drive from it well as a as a and as a former teacher i, I can tell you lisa that is huge like just having that extra layer mm-hmm. of support because a lot of those mm-hmm. kids like i was just talking about those, those basic supplies that we kind of take for granted oh our kids have paper and pencil and what they need there are kids who literally mm-hmm. come to school who don't have a clue how they're going to get paper and pencil like the basic right. needs and even even the coat closet and things of that nature nature so any type of closet for them to have some supplies so i really think what you've done is a great great move in the right direction to support those kids and the teacher so that's mm-hmm. that's amazing and thank you for sharing that I appreciate that and um, <laughs> I, I, I also want to share um, in my book I talk about the um, exceptional student education programs because a lot of times our black and brown kids there are two things that sometimes happen that shouldn't be happening one, mm-hmm. they're pushed into becoming labeled as an ESC student when they're really not. Like you just said, Ms. Tony, they're not being challenged, and so they're, like, acting out, so they want to label them as ESC. Then the second thing that mm-hmm. happens is when our kids truly are ESC, they have some sort of learning disabilities or other types of disabilities. Oftentimes they go without receiving the proper support they need. In other words, sometimes the parents won't allow them to be tested. Sometimes they're not recommended like they should be. And then sometimes when they are uh, identified, they'll say, I don't need those services. And so unfortunately, for example, they might get extended time on their test. Well, their counterparts, let me tell you, they not only utilize extra time on their tests, they know what their accommodations and their modifications are, and they can tell you verbatim. And so we want our kids who are 
um, eligible for those types of services to ensure they're using them. So in my book, I talk about that with the parents saying, if your child is being labeled um, and that's not the proper, you know, avenue, then by no means do you accept that if you're sure. But if they are and if they need those services, please, I encourage you, I implore you to please allow them to utilize those services. That's a big deal in the um, black and brown uh, community as well. So I want to share that with you ladies. Mm-hmm. And um, and and another and a couple more things. The uh, mentoring sure. is huge. Mentoring programs are huge, and I feel like I actually started like um, as an administrator. I founded and implemented um, two mentoring programs. One was for young uh, boys of color who did not have adult male um, role models in their lives. They didn't have a father. They didn't have role models. And so we would, you know, they had their suit day. They'd all wear suit and tie that we furnished for them. Um, and they, of course, had all the extra layers of support with their academics. And if they got in trouble, we had someone to talk with them. Another program was just for everyone. It was male, female. Um, it wasn't race specific. And we provided extra layers of support for those kids who, most of them, unfortunately, are those kids who are um, the invisible uh, kids or the ones who are getting into a lot of trouble. And so those types of programs are very important for our kids. Um, and then uh, testing. Testing is a huge deal. So I didn't even realize this, ladies, because I was, uh, I was mm-hmm. a teacher in a high school for 16 years, and then I became the assistant principal of discipline at a middle school and so I was kind of removed from high school for a while, but I didn't realize until I went back to the high school as a principal that a lot of our kids of color were not meeting the um, state standardized test. And so a lot of them were graduating. They were not graduating on time. And there's something called a concordance score, and a lot of us don't realize that. If a kid can't pass a state test, I'm in Florida. I can't speak for every state. I haven't looked at every single state, but I'm pretty sure most are very similar. There's a concordance score, meaning that if they take the SAT or the um, ACT in that particular area, whether it be math or reading, and they score high enough there, that score can be used in place of the state test. So by doing that, I increased the graduation rate 5% within, and this was like, unfortunately, I didn't have as much support as I needed. Um, there was some resistance happening quite a bit, being the only black female principal of a high school in this district, it, and, and, and some po- political things were happening at the <laughs> areas that made people feel like it was okay to not support as they should. So, but 5% increase in less than two years, and most of those kids were kids of color who had either not graduated on time because they had not passed the state assessment or they were about not to graduate when I came on the scene and we provide those opportunities for them. So that's a big deal as well. So if you know any kids, please spread the word that there are other avenues besides the state assessments. Absolutely. Absolutely. And being an educator and being an author as a, as a woman, that is a powerful position to have, uh, a powerful platform to have. What does that power mean to you? Um, being an educator and being an author, I think I have a responsibility, um, you know, whether we accept it or not, when we put ourselves in front of young people, 
um, we are, especially young people, it doesn't matter if they're young or not, but I'm being an educator, I, I work with young people, we have to accept the responsibility that we are now labeled a role model. So they're watching. So I always try to make sure I do as, what I would do when, if I were in front of a huge audience. I would do the same thing one-on-one with a child because I want to make sure that I represent myself well so that they have the goals and ambitions to want to represent themselves well. So, yeah, I take a serious approach to how I represent myself because it is important for kids to see, to see us doing, you know, what's right and things of that nature. Absolutely, absolutely. And what's next? Tell us what's next for your brand, what's next for the, the moves that you want to make uh, for yourself as a creative. Well, so I plan to continue to write. Once I get my first book released, I plan to continue to write. I'm already thinking of, you know, the next steps. But uh, going on the Clubhouse app, I, I'm so terrible with this. Well, I, okay, I can't say that. I'm getting better at this social media thing and promoting myself. I need to work on that like a whole bunch. So that's the new thing I'm trying to work on, ensuring that I'm promoting um, what I'm doing so that people can benefit from my material. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on that a little bit now. I'm, I will be preparing for my next book probably. I'm going to give myself a little time to learn the promotion part more, but hopefully within six months I'll be starting on the, the next book. And then I've been speaking just this week. I was asked because it was International Women's Day, and I was on the panel uh-huh. for that. Yes, that was pretty cool. And, um, you know, I've been invited for you know to several other um, platforms to speak. So I'm going to use my voice to encourage women, children, and anyone I can to reach for higher heights. We don't need to be limited by our circumstances. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I think that's what's next for me. I agree. I agree. Now, here on Let's Chat, we love to do something fun. And Tony normally asks a fun question. I'm going to ask a fun question this time. We are growing a fabulous, fabulous, Let's Chat Garden, and we have so many trees and bushes and flowers and plants that our uh, guests have added to our garden. And so we always ask, what is a what is something that you would add to our our garden? Whether it's a tree, a flower, a plant, whatever it is, we want you to tell us why that is important to you, uh, and and why you want to be, why you want that that item to be something that should be added. Okay, so first of all, you two do sound a lot alike. I thought Miss Tony was still talking. This is Lisa, right? Like, she was yeah. you said Tony, I'm like, y'all sound identical, like twins. <laughs> but, okay, so my flower, I, I, want to, I want to plant a flower, and I want it to be the gardenia because it's, it's beautiful. It has the most mm. amazing fragrance. Fragrance. It smells so good. It's almost enticing, and it's such a wonderful um, aroma. Um, so I would choose the gardenia, and I and I think it would spread some beautiful scents across the garden, and just the mm-hmm. beauty of it itself would just be very pleasing to the eye. So that's my flower mm-hmm. I want to plant in the garden. 
What color would it be? I need that. That is a beautiful um, scent, though. What color would it yeah. be? Oh, my God. It smells so good. Um, Ivory. I think I'll go with the ivory one, white, Ooh. ivory, whatever. And um, when I was a teacher, I'll tell you, when I, became, I, didn't, I wasn't even familiar with this plant, but when I was a teacher, one of my students, um, I guess they had a garden at home, and she would bring me in gardenias very often, and I would put them in my office, in, in my whole classroom. I had a little office in the back, but the whole classroom, the kids loved it, and it was just a beautiful smell. So it became one of my most favorite flowers, and she did year after year, she would bring them to me. <laughs> mm. That's a smell good flower, definitely. Lee, great job, girl. I'm so proud of you. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs>
That was. This was a great, great show. We appreciate you guys coming to kick with us here in the chat room. We will see you guys on next week on the live. Awesome. Have a great weekend and continue to stay safe and wear your mask. Busting my tail on a nine to five just to keep up, try to stay alive. Promise my lady we gon' be alright. She be crying while she praying for a better life. Hustling on the side for a bag of rice. Gotta feed the fam, gotta pay the price. Gotta keep trucking through the Georgia clay. Gotta stay searching for a better day. Gotta keep my faith till make way. Gotta get extended so the gas can pay. Sweet Georgia. Ground. From the New York home to the Florida shine, up to the Maryland.